Swing and a line drive, left field. Ben Benintendi coming on, dives, and did he make the catch? He did! He got it! Here we go. It's time to party. Right here. 3-2. High drive! He crushed it! It's a grand slam! Swing and a miss, thankfully it's over! The Red Sox have won the world championship! Welcome to Benny and the Bets Podcast. Can you believe it? Here's your host, Terry Cushman. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Benny and the Bats podcast covering Boston Red Sox baseball. Appreciate everyone for joining us on this cold, miserable January night, at least from me, coming from the state of Maine. Just agonizingly trudging through a very slow winter, probably the slowest I can ever remember in Red Sox Nation. Tonight, though, we will be talking in depth about the developments with the Red Sox and sign-stealing controversy, which was released today in a bombshell article by Evan Drellick and Ken Rosenthal. So we're going to be covering multiple dynamics of that, and then if we can dive into some Mookie Betts uh, talk, we will also do that. Joining me tonight, kind of his second uh, regular show, Jason Kelly. Jason, how are you? I'm good. How you doing? Not too bad. Good to be back. Yeah, so it's been a month. Maybe if people didn't listen to the last show, this is your second show. You will be with us on the midweek show for the fall 2020 season. I botched that on the last episode and said 2019 season. So I know what year it is. It's 2020. But uh, give uh, you know, give the audience uh, just a refresher on your background, where you're from. Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm from Boston, originally born and raised here. Still live here now. Um, live just south of Boston. So um, been a Red Sox fan my whole life. Um, it's probably baseball was probably my favorite sport growing up, probably still my favorite sport now. Um, and I've been doing a lot in terms of writing and podcasting about baseball the last year and a half, two years. So um, this is an exciting opportunity for me. And I'm always down to talk anything Red Sox. So it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a fun season. It could be a fun season. Uh, so we'll uh, get to it. Also joining us tonight for the first time, he will also be with us for the midweek show for the full 2020 season. Andrew Dwan, how are you? Doing well. Thanks for having me, guys. Really appreciate this chance. Coming from the Mile High City. Originally from Boston. Quincy originally been out in Denver for about eight years, and it's going to be nice to talk some baseball since all I hear is just everything about the Broncos day in and day out out here. So it's definitely going to be refreshing. Absolutely. And I'm I'm a little surprised there isn't more Rockies talk because they do seem to fill that stadium, and they got some fun players on the team. I'm a big Charlie Blackman fan, a big Chuck Nasty guy. I was kind of hoping we might trade for him. I think it was in the 2017 season. He was kind of a rental, 
and uh, but we uh, got Eduardo Nunez, and uh, but yeah, but it does seem like you know they they're at least faithful in terms of uh, attending games out there. Yeah, they definitely pack the stadium. It's nice. It's it's really inexpensive to go to the games, but they're pretty loyal when the team is doing well. They love Blackman out there. They love Arenado. Hopefully that continues to be a thing for them, but we'll see if uh, the Cardinals make a move on him. But, yeah, um, it's definitely a good time going over to Coors Field. It's, uh, it's a lot different than Fenway, though. It doesn't have the same feel, I'll tell you that much. I could imagine not. I mean, Fenway is like a museum, as some people say. But when you're, like, in passing, like, if someone has, a like, a Rockies hat on, do you, like, thank them for 2007? Because I would thank everybody <laughs> endlessly. Like, thank you very uh, much, sir. I think it was the uh, first year I moved out here. Um, it was, like, I, I moved out in September, and then they won, the Sox won the World Series. And, man, people are so angry. I mean, I kind of forgot about the 07 World Series, and I, had, I was fully decked out in Red Sox gear. I got so many bad looks and dirty looks. Just going to the local bars, probably shouldn't have done that, but it was still a good time that night. Yeah, and they won every game in the ALDS, the oh, excuse me, the NLDS and uh, the NLCS. They were undefeated all the way through the playoffs, and then never won another game. <laughs> so yeah, they like to blame the uh, they like to blame the layoff in between games, but I think they should probably blame Jeff Francis as being their number one starter that season. It was not going to go well against that murderer's row of Red Sox players that season. I mean, just one through nine, the, the Red Sox lineup was just so deep; They're, they had no chance. Yeah, you know, and I did a poll recently on everyone's favorite World Series, and 2007 ranked last, and I loved that season. I was all in on the Beckett thing, and no one really knew mm-hmm. what to make of Dice K. And, you know, and then in that postseason, Pedroia, Ellsbury broke out, and, you know, Mike Lowell, who was like a throw-in in the Beckett deal. There were just so many cool stories. I'm like... Yeah. I don't know, but 2004 was ranked number one, and you know 2013 was fun, and I don't know 2018 was my least favorite. Now it's a little, you know, especially after today, <laughs> we'll get into it, you know. But anyway, so here we are, first uh, first podcast of 2019. Do you guys have a good Christmas? That was all right. Yeah, just kind of chilled out. Had a lot of family stuff going on. I'm kind of glad the holidays are over now because it's one of those times of year where, like, for two or three weeks straight, you just feel like you have something every other day going on and yeah, uh, kind of lost track of things. So, but it was good. Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't too bad. I haul U.S. mail for a living, so, you know, it was, <laughs> that's, that's hell for me, yeah. Yeah, I didn't get any awkward Red Sox gifts this year, but, you know, like in 2012, like four years after it was remotely cool to get a Dice K jersey, I got one and uh, kept a straight face. You know, I saw the Boston on the front. I'm like, oh, who could be on the back? You know, John Lester, you know, someone cool. Dice K. And, uh, And then even more awkwardly in 2015, my brother's dumb as a rock's girlfriend, and she dumped him, by the way. So I don't know what that says about my brother, but but she bought me. Uh, she found a, a canvas painting of a Red Sox player, and I'm opening it, and I can see the bottom half of it first, so I can see the legs, and I'm like, oh, Red Sox player, rip the top half off. Any guesses as to who that could have been in 2015? 
2015. No, that's uh, when I opened it. The player wasn't on the team at that point. Oh, okay. It's so bad. Is, was he was he like a bench player? Was it a starter? He was a high profile big signing. I'll save you the suspense. It was Was it a Carl Cross? Close. Adrian Gonzalez. Adrian <laughs> oh. Gonzalez. And you know what? He worked out way better, you know, for a year and a half than Crawford, but I think I like Crawford better. Uh, there was just a douche factor with Gonzalez. I just didn't like him and you know, they wouldn't let him go to game seven, even though he was on the roster. Remember that? He got criticized for not being with the team during the playoffs, and then he's like, oh, here I am. And then they start losing, and they're like, yeah, dude, get out of here. And then they lost yeah. anyway. But anyway, all right. So we'll just get into the, the new stuff now. Uh, so as I said in the intro, Ken Rosenthal uh, drops a bombshell today. Red Sox... In 2018, the World Series year, we're apparently using the replay video room to steal signs in real time. And there there were a lot of differences between that and, and what the Astros were doing. You know, if you want to back the Red Sox here a little bit, what they did in 2018 was only viable with runners on base. You know, to relay the sign from the rum to the base runner who might then be able to alert the hitter. The Astros were affecting every single at bat, you know, with the trash can. And so this wasn't quite as egregious, but a year after the Apple watches, when the Red Sox were given a, a pretty stern warning, already up to no good. And the big thing here is before today, Everything was isolated to Alex Cora based on something he did with another team. So no huge implications for the Red Sox. But after this report, now it is an organizational thing. And the Red Sox are going to be subject to possibly some serious punishment here. And they did release a statement saying they would cooperate uh, Dave Dombrowski was also quoted today as having no information about this. He wasn't aware of it. So it might have been kept tightly between the players and the manager. But, uh, Jason, go ahead, lead off. What were your thoughts? Yeah, when I first saw this, I was really annoyed um, because we already kind of knew with Cora's involvement with everything going on with the Astros that he might still get you know, uh, some punishment from that anyway. And now you pile this on top of it. And like you said, this was right after they got busted using the Apple watches and major league baseball told them, cut it out. Don't do that anymore. Don't, you know, don't test us. And Red Sox said, okay, we won't do anything. We won't. And now this comes out. It's like, when did the Boston Red Sox become the new England Patriots where they just ignore the league rules and they just, Oh, you told us not to cheat. Okay. We won't do it except we're going to do it the very next year. It's just, it's so annoying because they are, they're going to get hit pretty hard for this. Um, I don't know exactly what the punishment will be if they deem it to be an organizational thing. But if I'm Alex Cora, like, or if I'm a Red Sox fan, I'm looking at Alex Cora going, this guy may not be behind the bench uh, to start the 2020 season with the amount of stuff that's piling up on him. It's, 
getting a little scary now. So yeah, this was this was annoying to hear about. It's like okay, yeah, great. Let's just pile this on too, along with the fact that we can't trade Mookie, we can't trade David Price. You know, all these other guys are leaving out the door, and now we're going to get busted for cheating. Great. So it's it's annoying, and I think Cora at this point now is facing a very likely suspension, and it could be a hefty one too. So not not good news at all. Well, Andrew, I uh, gave you the phone call last night, said you're my guy in that slot for 2020. 24 hours into it, we got a sensational story. <laughs> what are your thoughts? Well, first off, congrats to Ron Renneke uh, <laughs> on the promotion. <laughs> what a way to start 2024, you know? Uh, yeah, he's going to be the main guy for, I'm going to say, at least 50 games off the bat here. I just – you know, I think Red Sox fans were probably a little naive to think that Cora wasn't going to do any of this after it worked so well in um, Houston. Guys always bring some of the stuff that they learned in their prior organization over to the next one, especially when it's so successful. It got them a ring. Um, I'm kind of surprised it took this long to get out, quite frankly. Uh, I'm happy it did take this long. Um, it probably would have thrown more of a wrench into the already difficult offseason uh, the Red Sox have been facing in terms of decisions. But it's going to be really interesting, and it sounds like there's going to be a ruling pretty soon here. I wouldn't be shocked if it was uh, handed down by the end of the week and the Red Sox are left scrambling. I hope um, hope it's nothing too serious in terms of hit with draft picks or any uh, international signing bonuses because the <laughs> The, uh, the farm system just isn't deep enough right now to handle uh, any sort of punishments at this point. We don't have any top-level talent other than Dahlbeck and uh, Cassis is three, four years away anyways. Ken Rosenthal uh, mentioned that uh, he had a tweet. I'm trying to get my uh, browser up here. Um he said that following his report today, uh, Major League Baseball will be investigating the Red Sox uh, in regards to specifically this situation. It's just crazy to me that they've had this wide-scale, intense investigation with the Astros, and this doesn't come up until today. How did they not stumble upon this? I'm just wondering, you know, how how intense it is. Well, and, and there were other teams involved. The Astros obviously were involved doing the same thing. And the Yankees were mentioned, too, in Ken Rosenthal's report. So I don't know if it's just because they didn't do it as egregiously as the Red Sox and Astros did, that they're sort of not being mentioned at the moment. But, yeah, it's it's surprising to me that it took them this long to stumble upon this. Another thing, you mentioned the Yankees, and I get chirped all day long, you know, because I feel like because I'm so brutal on the Red Sox and I'm so critical, I have to compensate by bashing the Yankees just to keep the balance. So even if it's they don't deserve it, I might just spout off, you know, about the Yankees on a random day. But today, they were on me, you know, <laughs> like, oh, Red Sox cheating now, oh, two championships in a row. And the one part, Rosenthal's report was huge. I went through it once. It was a lot to absorb. The one uh, tidbit about the Yankees I do remember being in there is, I can't remember if it was at Yankee Stadium or 
uh, Minute Maid Park in Houston, but the assistant GM, Brandon Taubman, who got fired essentially for the DV, domestic violence, you know, insensitivities with the Sports Illustrated writers, there was a snippet in there that mentioned he had confronted, I think, Yankees players in regards to something that might have pertained to a video room or some type of cheating. And I viewed Taubman here as the X factor in this whole investigation, especially against the Astros, because he's never going to work for them again. There was talk of him never getting a job in Major League Baseball again, as far as the team went. So, and that's speculative. And, you know, five years from now, it could be different, you know, the things kind of, you know, water goes under the bridge. But I'm just wondering how big of a factor he's really going to be in this whole thing, especially towards Alex Cora, because they could probably get a ton of information and he knows everything. So <laughs> that's one of the things I'll be looking for uh, when the report comes out, which supposedly will be in a couple within the next couple of weeks. I don't know if today is going to throw a wrench into that and maybe they're going to look at some additional stuff, but but they were the Yankees were mentioned in there and you know I I've told Yankees fans I said you guys just better be careful cuz you could be there could be another report just as easily at this point and how stupid are they going to look when they were the only team out of the big 3 that was cheating but didn't win a world series you know <laughs> you suck in the playoffs <laughs> and you suck at cheating so I I don't know at least yeah, the, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Dodgers better get on top of their game, too. Uh, <laughs> I think they would have after the 2017 one, but maybe this is their year. Yeah, and uh, another thing I came to mind, I think it just slipped my mind. Um, yeah, it slipped my mind. Here, Here's another thing. Oh, no, yeah, with the playoffs. Apparently this, and I found a lot of relief in this today, apparently those video rooms were guarded during the playoffs, so the Red Sox weren't cheating at that point, at least in that avenue, and I just feel like, you know, it just, it's interesting because in the month of September that year, we played the Yankees twice in 2018 in September they beat us four out of six when we were cheating, apparently. <laughs> and then you take away the cheating, we take three out of four against them. <laughs> so it's crazy. And I'm not going to lie, a lot of the audience remembers, and I still get crap for it to this day, I picked the Yankees to win that series. And I didn't do it. I was leaning Red Sox. I really was. And then when Severino like just destroyed the A's, I was like, Yankees are winning, you know, and we had the last two seasons hanging over us. We didn't know what we were getting out of sale. Price was a guaranteed loss as it was. Um, that was the one game we did lose. So I, I picked the Yankees, but I just, I think it's hilarious. You know, we were cheating the rest of the season that gets taken away. And then, you know, we beat them. Aaron judge playing New York, New York probably helped us a little bit. Because uh, that became yeah. our anthem. Yeah, we even played it in Los Angeles when we won the World Series. They were playing New York, New York that night. 
So I don't know. I just found that interesting. Here's one other thing I find interesting, and I've been fixated on this all day long. Cora had to have had conversations with the Red Sox when everything hit the fan a couple months ago. And you would think he would have confessed everything to them and laid it all out there. But based on the Red Sox statement today, Cora apparently didn't say anything about the video room, you know, when he had a chance to come clean about everything. So I'm just wondering how severe this could be in terms of what the Red Sox decide on him where he wasn't forthcoming and his his fingerprints are everywhere in Houston and Boston now. Yeah, you know, and I'm sure that Major League Baseball, when they started investigating the Astros, they probably went around to every team, and I wouldn't be shocked if they'd do this. Obviously, I don't know, but I'm sure they asked for some sort of self-policing. Let us know if you guys were doing anything like, you know, uh, in terms of video replay. Uh, let us know punishments to be less severe. We just want to nip this in the bud before it turns into, wow, okay, 16 of the um, – top 20 teams were doing this and it's just throwing out the whole competitive balance so yeah for a quarter not to speak up whatsoever he clearly thought he was going to get away with it he thought his former players weren't going to say anything and that no one in the astros organization was going to rat him out because maybe he knows even more that the astros were doing so he assumed that you know as long as he didn't speak no one would uh, get on his back so we'll see but i it's just by not saying anything it's just going to get worse I mean, thank God they actually did win the World Series in 2018 with Alex Cora. Because can you imagine if he like was a bad manager who just kind of sucked? Like they went 81 and 81 in two seasons when he was here. Like he probably would be on his way out. I, I don't think the Red Sox would tolerate the bad press because we know that Warner especially is all about good press and he wants the Red Sox to have a nice, clean image. So. Um, yeah, it's a good thing he did win the World Series. I think in terms of what the organization will do with him, you know, Major League Baseball is going to hand down a punishment. And I think the organization will say, yep, we fully accept and agree with the punishment. And then they'll look at Cora and they'll go, okay, you, you done now? Because you're on thin ice. Because we're not going to tolerate much more than this. So go away, serve your suspension, come back, and hopefully this all gets swept under the rug and Hopefully you're still as good of a manager as we think you are because I, I can imagine Henry and Warner are probably pretty ticked about this. You know, the Red Sox are very image conscious, like you said, and that's kind of been, you know, part of what I've been focusing on. And I guess, I mean, is Cora a make or break manager? Like if, if we get this whole mess cleaned up, and say 2023, I mean, are we less likely to win the World Series if we don't have Alex Cora? I never envisioned Cora as like one of those 10 year manager guys. You know, I, I don't think he's quite fully necessary on a transitioning team. So if the Sox can find someone to lay on the sword on this and it protects them from further penalties in terms of draft picks or international signings, quite frankly, I'm making court my sacrificial lamb without even thinking twice. 
yeah, I, he's a good manager, but he's I don't look at him as like the next Tony La Russa or anything, you know. And and granted, a lot of that's because he hasn't had much time to prove that he's only been here two years. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, he he's not a make or break manager for the Red Sox. They, the Red Sox won a World Series with John Farrell. Okay, <laughs> that so it, it kind of goes to show you that it, it's not always about the manager. Sometimes it really is the players. Um, so I think the Red Sox would be fine if, you know, if this does turn into something where they need core to lay on the sword, I, I don't think it's a franchise altering, uh, thing if that happens. You make a good point with the, you know, with Farrell winning, he had a very veteran laden team. I think that absolutely helped him win that world series. I mean, when you got guys like Shane Victorino, Mike Napoli, David Ortiz, still, you got proven postseason winners in Lester, Lackey. You know, he had a very good team there. And I don't think, to more to Cora's credit, I don't think John Farrell utilizes the starting rotation in the 2018 playoffs like Cora does. And I don't know if there was some front office collaboration in there that helped that along or not, but... I just, you know, we don't win it in, in 2018 without Farrell. And I'll give Cora credit for one other thing as well. I think if Farrell was the manager in 2019, I think that's a last place team. Not having Sale, not having Price. I forget how many wins we won. We were above 500, though. And, you know, and Cora got us that far. So, I mean... You know, I give him credit there, but I just, I guess my big problem here going forward is a minor controversy is essentially going to be a major controversy. It's going to get blown up. I mean, we just saw it with the Patriots a, a month or so ago with the with the documentary they were doing in Cincinnati where the, the camera guy pointed it towards the field, not knowing he wasn't supposed to aim the camera towards the field because it's against the rules. And, and you know, it was pretty clear that Belichick had nothing to do with it. He didn't direct them to do that. They weren't trying to steal anything. But because of the history, it became a huge story. All this crazy speculation was going to happen, suspensions, this and that. And I, the league just came out and said that, uh, Belichick knew nothing, and so it's not going to be, you know, like the controversies in the past, Deflategate, Spygate, but but with the Red Sox, it could very well happen, and I just don't know if ownership is going to want to deal with the scrutiny every single time, and then say we do win a World Series, because Alex Cora potentially masterminded one of the biggest scandals in the history of the league, if not the biggest, at least the top two or three scandal. And we win one a few years from now, everyone's going to be like, yeah, but who knows, you know, what kind of tricks was he up to? I just, I don't think it's worth the baggage. And I've said in recent episodes, the one thing to watch here is what happens to Jeffrey Lunau, the Astros general manager, if he gets the death penalty, does Hyam Bloom want that type of a liability? If, you know, if Cora were to screw around, because if Cora's job is on the line and he knows his job's on the line, why wouldn't 
why wouldn't he cheat? I mean, he's got nothing to lose. I'm not saying he, I'm not sitting here saying he follows me. So if he listens, I'm not saying he would definitely cheat, but, but he would have all the incentive to, if he was on the hot seat and he would have nothing to lose. Yeah. I mean, and, and it would be really interesting, especially like, you know, even this coming season, what if, what if Cora does, let's say hypothetically, he gets suspended 50 games, right? And he's gone for 50 games and we sort of play average, whatever. And then he comes back and we go on a run and we go to the playoffs. Like it, it, even something as small as that is going to raise the antennas of everyone around the league. Cause they're going to go, Oh yeah, of course. Now core is back behind the helm. Sure. He can't use the video room anymore, but what else does he have up his sleeve? He probably came up with something else. So, I mean, unfortunately it's going to follow him around no matter how good of a manager he turns out to be. It will follow him around because it's just multi. It's like, you know, cheating scandal after cheating scandal now, um, you know, however minor or major they end up being. So that is a concern. And again, Red Sox don't they don't have much patience for that kind of stuff. So it's it's going to be a problem for him going forward. It's something that's always going to follow him around. Yeah, it's just a serial black black cloud over the organization that they don't need at this point. So I, I don't see it ending well for Cora. I mean, I, I really don't. I, I tweeted out today, you know, I mean, High and Bloom gets here. He's got these massive contracts to unload. Nobody wants them. The value hasn't been there to trade Mookie yet. He's got all that going on on one side. Cora has some serious baggage, and now the organization's implicated in it. So, I, uh, like, I'm just – I was wondering, like, he must have said at least once today, you know, what the hell did I get myself into here, <laughs> you know? And it's it's kind of like he, he married a serial killer recently, and bodies are suddenly turning up all across town, <laughs> and he's, you know, and it's, it's a little sketchy, and – so he's got a probably a bigger mess than what he probably anticipated, a bigger mess than Theo and, and Dombrowski and, and Sherrington had when they respectively became, you know, the top executives. Yeah, he's, he's probably at least a couple of times thought to himself, geez, life was so much simpler in Tampa. <laughs> you know, yeah. may, may not have as much may have been a little more boring but maybe boring's not so bad <laughs> he's like i might have been broke but i had like the top 20 best prospects in the in the league in the top 100 or whatever yeah. and yeah now he's got you know some prospects and no uh no flexibility whatsoever i um Bradford, Rob Bradford today from WEI did an emergency podcast with John Tomasi and I listened to it and cause I, I'm excited and I, you know, I kind of, I got into, I think I pissed Bradford off today, but he is one of my, probably one of my favorite beat writers. I think he's a little more forthcoming with things. I basically, I don't feel like I'm reading state media every time, you know, like I do with Abraham and some of the other writers, but, but I listened to his 20 minute episode and the only thing they got into about Cora was the suspension aspect of it. And I was a little disappointed. They didn't talk about his job security. And I mentioned that in the tweet below his, you know, where he posted his podcast and 
I'm like, why didn't you? That's the number one question. I said, we're going to be talking about it tonight on our show. You know, why would you guys avoid that? And he goes, he goes, well, spoiler alert, there's 0% chance he gets fired. And uh, I think he might have said he might get suspended. And he said, but knock yourself out. I think I just, I can't see it any other way. I really can't. I think the Red Sox have an extremely tough decision here. And I think where I pointed out earlier where Cora apparently didn't tell him everything a couple months ago and they just found out some of it today. I just, I don't see how there can't be trust issues at this point. I just, I can't see it. Maybe they don't fire him, but it's definitely a greater than 0% chance. I, I'm, they have to. It, I'm sure it's going to get thrown out there in a behind closed doors meeting that there's a chance he could get terminated. Again, um, definitely above zero. Just saying 0% is just ignorant at that point. Yeah, I, I think it's extremely naive to say 0% chance. That's uh, in sports in general there's never a 0% chance that a head coach or a manager gets fired. Okay. Like I, I mean, I can't think maybe Bill Belichick is the one example of a guy who won't be fired no matter what happens. But even then I, I wouldn't see 0% chance. It's, it's too naive to say that. Um, I still think the likely course is that he gets suspended. They bring him back and they say, okay, you're managing for your job now. Like you, you better be the real deal because we put up with a lot of crap for you. So, okay, welcome back from your suspension. Now let's see what you can do. And do we know if the investigation is even fully complete now uh, into the Red Sox? Could they potentially dig up some more damning evidence that just looks even worse on the organization? Or I, I'm, I'm not 100% sure if, they're, if they've concluded and um, gathered all their findings or if they could find more. I don't know if you guys know a little bit more. Well, they said – I figured. I mean – they said today Sorry, that ahead. the uh, the Astros organization scandal could be released within the next two weeks, but I think they were okay. o- only beginning their investigation into the video room stuff with the Red Sox today, per a okay. Ken Rosenthal tweet. So there's more uh, time for that, and maybe the punishment could have been pretty stiff just from his Astros. I mean. He, he was the exact words Rosenthal used, and it was in the follow-up report. And the first, very first report of anything with the Astros, Rosenthal listed that it was it was a struggling veteran player and a coach that wanted to help. Twenty-four hours later, there was a follow-up, and it said that Carlos Beltran and Alex Cora were central figures. So he stopped short of saying that Cora masterminded it, but that's pretty serious to me. That's like, he's like right in the thick of it. And I've also heard AJ Hinch deny a lot of it. And I think he's, uh, don't quote me on this because it's been a little while, but I think he said that that camera was a league camera or whatever, and it was already there. And so I, I don't know if that's been confirmed or denied, but it sounds like he's not been very forthcoming. And Rob Manfred said the punishment's going to be a lot more severe if anybody lies during this, during this whole investigative process. So I think the the punishment for him is going to be extremely severe. And I mean, 
I don't know. Cora had spoken to the league at least twice before today that I was aware of that's been reported. And so I just, there's so many, there's literally so many factors here that could make it extremely severe. But then you add the Red Sox stuff in. And here's another thing too. I mean, is it, a suspension really going to hurt him as far as 2020 goes? I mean, we're a third place team. And if Toronto gets past us with some of their additions, I don't think they will, but I probably won't be as shocked as, you know, the average fan. I mean, what does a suspension really do to Cora besides Bruce's ego? I mean, that's probably it. Yeah, it, it, it's not a hugely harmful punishment to him. Um, it, it hurts his image and yeah, like you said, it'll bruise his ego, but if he gets whacked for even 50 games, um, yeah, that's not going to severely hurt him. It just, it just mostly hurts his reputation. Yeah. And it has to be a minimum of, of 50, anything less than that. I think it's just a slap on the wrist as far as the league's punishment goes. Um, all right. So another uh, thing from the Rosenthal report today, he said that he had three confidential sources from the Red Sox that gave him this information, you know, that led him to write the report. Here's a list of players from 2018, no longer with the team. Rick Porcello, Craig Kimbrell, Drew Pomeranz, Joe Kelly, Brian Johnson, Carson Smith, Stephen Wright, Robbie Scott, and Tyler Thornburg. That group of nine is no longer with the team. Now, I'm not going to sit here and, and and pin it on anybody because, you know, that's not cool and I can't prove anything. But I'm going to boldly assume that it was a pitcher. I mean, the hitters aren't going to be offended by this. It's helping them. And a lot of the pitchers have been outspoken in the past, not only about the scandal, but the juice baseballs and, you know, and, and Mike fires is the key. He's the star witness against the Astros right now. You know, he's one of the few players who's, who's, you know, allowed his name to be released and he's a pitcher. So, I'm going to read this list one more time. Rick Porcello, Craig Kimbrell, Drew Pomeranz, Joe Kelly, Brian Johnson, Carson Smith, Stephen Wright, Robbie Scott, Tyler Thornburg. A couple of those guys at least were a little bitter when they left. We're just, and I'll leave it at that. <laughs> I will leave it at that. So I just will never know. I will say this. You know what? I'll narrow it down to eight. I don't think Porcello was the guy. I just I think he loves the team. I think he loves the team. You know what? I'll narrow it down to seven. I don't think Joe Kelly was the guy. I don't think he's going to rat out his homies. But some of those other guys, eh, you, you never know. And I could be wrong. And and it could have been coaching staff people. It could have been trainers. You know the the list is is wide. You know as far as who it could have been. It doesn't necessarily have to be players, but. I uh, I made it a point to go through the roster when I got home from work tonight, and I thought, well, you know, this guy could be, you know. So, I don't know. I'm sure a couple of those names stood out to you guys. Yeah, well, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we know it's not a hitter. The lineup remained the same. The only guy it could have been was Leon. I think he's the only one gone from that team, right? 
so many of those guys are still there. So yeah, I think I think it's pretty safe to say it's one of those uh, seven that are still remaining on your list there. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a certain uh, left-hander who got a bogus contract <laughs> this offseason who uh, that his name jumped out to me, but yeah. Okay, yeah. I, I think I see where you're going with that. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and um, I had something I was gonna say. Everything just keeps slipping my mind tonight. Oh, oh, yeah. The the one guy I wish it could be so bad, and I, it's not. Yeah, so I'll say that because I am gonna say his name. I do not think it's this guy. I would love for it to be David Price. I would love for him to be the rat, <laughs> and then it to get leaked, and then it to get leaked. And uh, that would be so perfect, but it's it's not Price. It really would. Oh my god, that would just make the David Price drama all that much better. It really would. Maybe he no, got snubbed fights with him and Yeah, <laughs> maybe he got snubbed playing Fortnite and was like, "That's it, I'm calling Rosenthal or something," and you know anything could set that guy off. But uh, yeah, so we're around the forty-minute mark here. Um, any any other random observations about this come to mind that that I didn't mention? My mind's been spinning all day, and there, uh, when a thought pops into my head, I have a memo pad on my phone. I I put it there, and and uh, I I know there was some stuff I didn't get in there, but. No, not at the moment. Uh, I definitely put my. Twitter alarms on for uh, Jeff Passan, who seems to be ahead of all this. So I'm sure I'll see something tomorrow morning and it'll just ruin my day. So <laughs> just waited with bated breath at this moment, at, at this time to see what other shoe drops when it comes down to this and hopefully nothing too crazy. I'm just, I'm glad that Ron Renicky is here. Um, Cause as true mentioned at the start of the show, like he's probably going to be managing a lot of games this year and at least he's kind of done it in the past albeit not a ton successful but at least he's a veteran manager who knows what he's doing because uh yeah he's probably going to be taking over for a while so i guess that's good silver lining i suppose i think that the thing i'm looking forward to least is if court does get suspended listening to all the callers in the boston sports radio asking if pedroia can be the manager oh, yeah. you, you know it's coming it's oh. it's every pink cat's just dream scenario there having Pedroia take over. So or, give or, that or can Veritek come in? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I yeah, don't we'll think I Jason could. We could all handle <laughs> tech, but, and I think he would be good. He would keep the guys in line and, and maybe Pedroia would too, but I just can't, I don't think I could stomach that. I'm wearing a Brewers hat right now. And, uh, you know, some people were like, hey, you know, you're not a real fan. You know, you can't have two teams. And I like the Brewers, and, and maybe they will be my team if Pedroia's ever named the manager. <laughs> but I just <laughs> – I I don't know if I could handle that. They, they I've heard over and over again that, that teams don't like to hire a former star because they'll become hard to fire. And the GM could lose the team because – you know, if Bloom sucks and then Veritek's the manager, everybody's going to back Veritek. So the GM could have just, you know, no no allies, no one to turn to, which would probably be a terrible feeling. Um, so, yeah. I do want to say with Renicky though, I like everything I've heard about him. And 
he got them into the playoffs. He was the Bre- actually the Brewers manager for four years. And the year he got him in, I think he had both Grinky and Sabathia at the same time. So obviously he got them all the way to the NLCS. And I think the Cardinals beat them and then went on to win the, the World Series against uh, Texas. But there there is a record of success. I think in one other season there, he was above 500. And that's one of the smallest market teams, not quite as bad as, as Tampa, but they don't have a TV deal. So, you know, there's just not a lot of spending flexibility there. And, um, but he did a great job. So I would absolutely, uh, you know, be intrigued to see what he could do. Um, here's another thing. This has always been a sore spot to me, but if you guys had to pick, and I think I know the answer at this point, but if you could go back a year or two and you could have either Alex Cora or Tori Lovello. Who would you pick? I mean, me personally, I'd go with Lovello. Um, I I really liked Tori Lovello when he was here, and it, the players clearly responded to him. Not to mention the fact that he doesn't have a bunch of cheating allegations uh, in his back pocket that we don't know about. So that's a big bonus too. But I always liked Lovello. I I was sad to see him go. Yeah, uh, I'd be hypocritical if I didn't say I wasn't excited for the core signing. Everything I was hearing from um, – I, I know Gammon's put a lot out there about how how much his, for, his players love being around him and how good relationships he built. So uh, I was happy with the core signing. So to go back on that now just wouldn't be genuine. That's fair enough. I actually kind of lean towards uh, Garden Hire. I just like the – I like the old school managers, Madden, Francona – you know, and the big thing that year was to, um, you know, get younger, and that was the trendy thing. You know, Hinch, you know, was in his early 40s, and Girardi was young when he won his World Series. I think he's in his early to mid-50s now, but um, but that was the thing, and I just, I liked Garden Hire's fiery personality, and he did have some Hall of Famers, you know, on the Twins during his run, and um, you know, so there, you know, still a little bit of success there, but one of the worst days of my Red Sox life besides Francona getting fired was the day Dombrowski said Farrell was coming back <laughs> for 2017. And I, cause I wanted Lavello so bad. And, and Jason, like you said, he was so much fun during that 20, like, and I was talking to Andrew about it last night. I, cause we were, I was saying, uh, you know, I was like, I don't know what kind of a season we're going to have for 2020. Cause when I started this halfway through the 2017 season, we were probably going to win the division and we did. Then we win the world series the next year. We expected to at least be a wild card last year. So we've had decent expectations before the start of every season, we don't necessarily, we don't really have that for this season. So I was telling Andrew, yeah, hopefully it'll at least be an interesting season. And and I brought up 2015 with Lavello because we were the best team in baseball those last two months. We had the most wins of any team, but we were just so far out of it. And Joe Kelly had an 8-0 run as a starting pitcher at the end of 2015 with Blake Swihart catching him for the most part. Uh, Wade Miley went on a good run. Jackie Bradley went on an absolute tear and never got sent back to the minors after that, even though he probably should have if he had options. 
um, <laughs> first half of last year. Um, yeah. But, you know, it was just – it was a fun team to watch. And Mookie was, you know, ascending. And and it, it was just – and Lavello showed moments where a reliever was, like, in a jam. And I was like, oh, Farrell would be out to the mound right away. He would be marching that guy's ass off the mound and and Lavello would just keep him out there in a very Francona like way, you know, just having the faith. And that, that didn't always work for Francona, but uh, you know, it was a little different. And there was a there was a moment that year before Farrell, you know, left on his uh, cancer leave. He had been ejected from the game and we were down by a run. And I, there were two outs, and Bogarts was on first. I can't remember how he got there. He he walked or got singled or something. And I was like, man, I, I hope I hope Lavello sends him to second. I hope it happens. I was like, Farrell would never do that in this situation. And Lavello sent him. <laughs> and he didn't make it. But I appreciated the ballsiness of it. And... I just hated John Farrell and I was a big Lavello guy and I knew when when Farrell came back for 2017 he was gone. He was going to get hired somewhere else and that's what happened. And that press conference by Dombrowski cuz that was following the 2016 season against Cleveland where we got swept and Farrell did his his end of the year press conference and they asked him they said what's your job status? Do you even know? And Farrell's like, no, I have no idea. They, you know, we haven't talked about that yet. And then he exits. Dombrowski comes in. And the first words out of Dombrowski's mouth is, yeah, I just talked to John Farrell. And he literally did in passing and said, yep, he's coming back. And I, and then that was it. You know, we had to suffer through 2017, tons of controversies, Lavello had an amazing season with um, Arizona, got them into the wild card, and then beyond that into the uh, divisional series against the Dodgers. And I'm just so haunted by that all the time. I mean, we got our World Series, but they got a guy who's just so used to Like, Lavello would be perfect for the 2020 team. Like, he'd find a way. We wouldn't be out of it on August 1st. You know, maybe we'd be mostly out of it, but we wouldn't be completely out of it. And and so I'm just, in hindsight, yeah. But I wasn't mad about Cora and even getting it over Garden Hire, like I said, because I just kept telling myself, I'm like, at least it's not Farrell. I'm like, fire Farrell. <laughs> fire Farrell guys can't be choosers. And, uh Everybody else was high enough on him, so I said, well, you know, maybe there's something I'm missing, but this next couple of weeks is going to be interesting. You are gonna, you think they're going to want to have it squared away by the time they report anyway to uh, Fort Myers. I think they have to. Yeah, you can't go into spring training with uh, questions like that over your head. That That would be insane. So hopefully they get it all cleared up by then. Yeah, I don't know what the rules are in terms of if he can be around the team during spring training and has to leave once the regular season starts. But, um, yeah, I, I really hope we get some clarity in the next two weeks or so. 
I hope so, and we'll be watching intently for more bombshells. The other thing I was wondering here is, was Rosenthal, like, holding this? Like, did he have it two weeks ago? And he's like, ah, I think there's a date where I can just really mess with this whole investigation. And I don't know. It's just one of the things I thought of. But uh, so just a few minutes before we do wrap. Mookie Betts still with the team. There was some Dodgers talk last week. Apparently, they don't want to put Gavin Lux in a deal for um, uh, Francisco Lindor. So maybe they're focusing on Mookie. I think Mookie's the next best guy. I know Bryant, once his arbitration thing gets dealt with, to see whether he's going to be a free agent after this season or two seasons, I don't think he's quite as attractive as Mookie Betts. No, I agree. I, I, if I'm the Dodgers, I focus on Mookie more than Chris Bryant. Chris Bryant's had injury problems, and he's also been a little more inconsistent than Mookie. So, um, yeah, hopefully they're saving Gavin Lux for a potential deal with the Red Sox if they're not going <laughs> to include him in an Endor deal. But I don't know. I'm I'm growing more and more pessimistic about it by the day that I feel like we're going to head into the 2020 season and Mookie's still going to be on the team and. It's just going to be, okay, we'll, we'll see what happens. You know, Red Sox will have talks with him, which means they'll give him one contract offer. He'll say no, and he'll walk, and that'll suck. But, you know, I, I think they kind of mismanaged this thing from the beginning, so it'll be on them. Yeah, uh, I hope we do get a resolution to this soon. Um, that's another reason I want to know what the penalties for this scandal are going to be. How are we going to build the farm uh, if we're going to lose a first-round pick and international signing money? So are we going to be able to package these guys for a better deal and just eat more salary to get better prospects back? Um, <laughs> right now, if it's just going to be Jeter Downs and Jock Peterson – I don't want it. I mean, Peterson's going to walk after this year. He's making eight and a half million uh, in his final year arbitration. I just, it's just not an attractive package to me. Uh, eat whatever money we need to do to get rid of price and just take your lumps. So let's just get some uh, an infusion of youth into the system if we're going to lose some picks here. Dustin May is a name that got brought up, and I'd be surprised if even he was put in. He's pretty high end, and I would love I it. See the Dodgers moving young pitching. Yeah, I just, I just don't see it. I think they're gonna just pick away from their infield prospects. It's, I, I just don't see them moving Dustin May. I, I would love him. Uh, he's great. He's got an electric arm. Uh, but yeah, I, I just don't see the Dodgers moving pitching prospects at this point with the, just how many question marks they have, especially since they're already trying to rebuild some of their rotation. So I, I think we'd be very disappointed right now in what the return would be. So I, yeah, I'm, I'm a little nervous. Do you know the name of the other prospect? They got another, he's their second best. I forget. Is it Tony something, but he, you know, is a potentially higher end guy that we could. The Red Sox need pitching really more than anything. Oh, the pitching pro- Oh, is it Gonzillion or something? Gonzillion? It might be. Yeah. Okay. I should have looked it up, but um, but I I think we that's what we need to do is is target. You know, as as much as Lux would be attractive, I just 
we're really old, you know, in the rotation. We might have uh, Tanner Houck come up at some point. I thought Lakens and Feltman would be up, you know, like mainstays by like halfway through last season. It didn't happen. So I'm not going to count on Houck by any means. And I know Mata is probably looking more like 2021 at the earliest. And Mm -hmm. so I just, I would love it if we got May, but I I just don't think that, that that's realistic. One guy I wouldn't mind and I don't think it's that far out of the realm is Alex Verdugo. He's got a little bit of pop. I think he could potentially be a leadoff guy, you know, because we're losing our leadoff guy. Who's going to lead off on the current Red Sox? <laughs> no yeah, that's a good question. No uh, one's thought of that. I, yeah. I think it would be Ben and Tendy, and I don't think Probably anyone wants to see Tendi. that. I don't even think Ben and Tendy wants to see that. So. Yeah, they're going to have to figure something out pretty quick here. Yeah, you'll be leading off a lot of games by Ben Attendi looking at strike three and walking, <laughs> shaking his head all pissed off. That seems to be all he does. So, yeah, I don't love that idea. Yeah, we just Maybe don't. Maybe we can just go crazy and sign. Maybe we can go get Puig or something to make it really entertaining if oh, we're going to have a down year. God. <laughs> I would, if it's a one-year deal, okay, but I'm a dude and – I'm an ex-corrections officer, too, and I've dealt with some pretty crazy people, but Yasiel Puig gives me the creeps. He does. It's hard to do that with me. And the way he runs his tongue across his bat, and I'm just like, oh, God. And there was like, like he was a star in in Cleveland, uh, not Cleveland, Cincinnati, like in the community. They loved him. And they were like sending him to schools. And I'm like, are you kidding me? He's hanging out with kids. Yeah, he, he has some like he definitely gives off some Carl Everett vibes, which is not good. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't, I don't love that. So yeah, I, I don't know. And the Red Sox just had a clubhouse guy for like three hours. That was like the top story. A clubhouse guy has been charged with a sex yeah. crime, and. So Yankee fans, I'm like, okay, are you? they're like trying to make us look like the Catholic Church all of a sudden. And thank God for Rosenthal, you know, got the attention <laughs> off of that pretty quick. But um, I saw, so I just, I don't know, Puig, if it was a one-year deal, I would do it for the entertainment. If I found out he got signed for five years, I'm like, you're getting Hanley Ramirez with a little bit of psychosis at that point. That's what you're getting. <laughs> I think we can get him for a one-year deal and a 30-minute show on Nesson. I, I really do. It's <laughs> once-a-week show. We can just go let him do all these weird things around the city. Oh, it would be great. Yeah. yeah. He, can, he can be the of Nesson clubhouse. <laughs> <laughs> just my final thought on the Mookie thing. One team that could desperately use him, and they need more than him, is the St. Louis Cardinals. Like, if they don't bring back Osuna, I mean, that's a key bat out of their lineup. And that's a team that could use Mookie, probably has the means financially and a decent prospect to send back in the trade. I'm a little surprised. I mean, they didn't have any offense against uh, the Nationals. They got swept. They had the pitching. They didn't have the offense. So, you, you know, that's a team that should you know, possibly pursue that. And that National League Central Division, it's a big wild card. You know, I mean, any any team can come away with it. Probably not going to be the Cubs because they're probably in worse shape than the Red Sox, in my opinion, because their farm system's so bad. But 
Um, but, you know, uh, Cincinnati's looking kind of trendy. They've made some moves. Um, you know, I'm not, you can't rule out St. Louis. Milwaukee has lost some players, but has the creativity to possibly make it interesting. And, and then, of course, Pittsburgh is uh, blowing it up. They might trade Josh Bell, uh, you know, before long. But I just – I think St. Louis is a good destination for Mookie. Yeah, you know, that's kind of one of these places I just always saw him in that jersey for some reason if he ever left the Red Sox. I don't know what it is, but I just feel like they would break the bank for him at the end of the season. Um, it just seems like a guy that they would really just put, uh, pin their ears back and go after. And uh, I'd hate to see it, but I, it just seems seems reasonable for them to do so. Well, and keep in mind, the Cardinals were the team that really wanted David Price all those years ago. Mm-hmm. I think there's still some interest there. Um, that would so be if a they're really going to. Yeah, I mean, if they're really intent on doing this package deal of Price and Betts, which I don't love the idea of because I think you're essentially selling a diamond with a, a big turd on top of it. But, <laughs> you know, if the Cardinals really still want Price, you could say, hey, okay. We'll give you a price. We'll give you Mookie too, and let let's work something out. I just don't know if it's realistic, but yeah, that's a team they should be talking to for sure. Yeah, and Price went golfing that day in 2015, and he said when he teed up on the first hole of the course, he thought he was going to be a Cardinal. By the time he got to the 18th hole, the Red Sox went one year over, and the rest is history. You know because. He got a seventh year out of it, and oh man! And looking back on that, I mean, Grinky would have been. We needed somebody. We needed an ace, and Grinky was really the only other guy who turned out relatively good. You know, Cueto has had issues, and I thought Zimmerman could be an interesting buy low guy, but that would have been obviously, you know, horrendous. But um, mm. so Price and Grinky really and. You know, they're both, you know, one's medicated and the other one isn't. We got the one that isn't medicated. And <laughs> so it just, that's too bad. What we really should have done was a year before that, we could have got Scherzer, you know. If, oh, that would have been amazing. Yeah, but that stupid ground ball theory with Masterson, Porcello, and Miley was what they went with, which might have been a Bill James thing. I, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, well, all right, I guess we can uh, pretty much call it a show. Um, You know, we'll come on again as uh, things develop. I tell the audience I typically don't want to record a show for the sake of recording one. There's always, we can kick around Mookie Betts, you know, a hundred different ways until something happens or or at least some, you know, reports come out that seem, uh, you know, like they got a lot of uh, momentum behind them, um, but yeah. So we'll uh, we'll just see how it goes. I I think the Red Sox are still going to wait on the Astros thing, you know, before anything happens with Cora. If anything happens with Cora, he might get a four year extension. Who knows? I mean, you just you just <laughs> never know. I don't think so for sure. But but yeah. But it was good to have you guys on. Ben Rusty, it's it was December thirteenth, almost a month. What's today, the seventh or the eighth? So the seventh, seventh, yeah. yeah. So about a week short of a month, yeah. 
So, all right, well, uh, take it easy, and uh, we'll uh, we'll be back shortly. And before you know it, we'll be back twice a week. So, take care, everyone. Sounds great. Right on. Good night, guys. See you.